Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. I'm Tony, and I'm your host. I'm so excited to bring you a conversation with fellow coach Chris McClure. Chris has been the owner, CEO, and founder of McClure Coaching now for a number of years. He's been a podcast host, and he's the author of the resource, The Magnetic Leader. We talk about what it means to seek the Lord. We talk about the power of consistency. We talked to his relationship with his writing coach and editor. So many good things. I know you're going to love this conversation. If you do, do me a huge favor. Share this episode with a friend. Let them know that you heard him here on the podcast. Maybe somebody who you know needs a little leadership push. It's so important that we work on this stuff together, guys. I'm thankful for you. And... Uh, Man, I can't wait to connect with so many of you. I love hearing your feedback on the podcast. So thank you. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Chris McClure. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have author, coach, and entrepreneur, Chris McClure. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tony. This is uh, always fun to to get to talk to like-minded leaders like yourself. Yeah, man, we we had coffee the other day in Beaver Creek and uh, at Risa's, and it was just a wonderful time. And I was like, I got to get this dude on the podcast. <laughs> but he, you've done a lot in your life from from pastoring a church to writing a book to speaking to working with the chamber. And so, I you know, from a macro perspective, I'm always curious, how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? It's really interesting you ask that because it's a it's not gone anything like I thought it would right like it's been a wild adventure and journey that I just feel like I'm riding the wave a lot of times um, you know my son is is a senior right now and starting his senior year and I was thinking back even this morning just what was my life like at this point of my senior year and it's interesting mm-hmm. because the summer before my senior year of high school, I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. Like I was stressed. I didn't know where to go to college or if to go to college or whatever. And I went on a mission trip uh, to Guyana, South America uh, with my youth pastor. And I think there were 17 of us. And that's where God really just gave me a vision to move forward with my life, to help people find purpose in their life and to, to equip them. Like my youth pastor was helping me at that time really to navigate that season I was in. And so the first thing I saw back then was, well, I'll just go be a youth pastor. You know, I'll go and go to Bible college, get a degree, become a youth pastor. And that's what I did. Um, Never did I see myself starting a business. Never did I see myself in the business world. Definitely didn't see myself helping run a chamber of commerce. Uh, Never saw myself writing a couple of books and, you know, all these things that I've now done all these years later, 30 years later, almost. But back then I was just kind of a lost, confused, you know, teenager, I was following Jesus, but I didn't know what to do with my life. You know, I didn't understand um, what a, what my calling was or what my gifts and abilities were. And so I, my journey started as a youth pastor uh, for about 13 plus years where I was doing that full time after college. And I thought that was like the journey, like, you know, um, and then God started to shift me a little bit. And that's when things started to head towards this direction of where I am today that I never anticipated. So if you were going to summarize your calling that God's placed on your life in like one sentence or two sentences, mm-hmm. how would you sum it up? Like you got 10 seconds to tell me what yep. your calling is. 
Yeah, so I, I've defined it like this, that I have been called to help people discover their purpose and equip them to live it out. That's super clean. I love that. And I, I thought that that's what you were going to say. You, you mentioned the lost and confused teenager. Um, I think that there are a lot of leaders who are listening who feel lost and confused. I'm mm-hmm. wondering, even though they're not teenagers anymore, I'm wondering, yeah. like, when did that switch for you? When did it, it was like, up? Oh, I'm no longer lost and confused. Now I'm, I'm clear and focused or whatever the opposite of that is. Yeah. I mean, it really was. I mean, I'll never forget it. Sitting in this foreign country, Guyana, South America that I had never heard of before I went down there on this mission trip. Um, and it was in that moment, I just had this clarity. I remember going home and telling my parents, I, I think I want to be a youth pastor. I think God's called me to be a youth pastor and to help people, you know, help teenagers like, like, you know, myself that my youth pastor, Tommy had helped me, and, and, and I under, and it was bigger than just being a youth pastor and running a youth group kind of thing. It was truly mm. about the, it was about this life purpose and yeah, and really equipping people, you know? So that's where for me, it went from, I literally went from so confused and lost to crystal clear within a matter of just it, almost like a moment, but you know, a few, probably a few weeks really. And that's in that stretch of, I went to one college to, to, uh, to check out the campus applied was accepted in my October, my senior year, I was on, I knew what I was doing after, after high school and all of a sudden yeah. everything changed for me. Um, but I also had another one of those moments in my mid thirties where I was kind of lost and confused again, kind of like you're saying, like leaders, we can get there, right? We can feel like this is where I am. And is this all there is? Like I was, I think I was about 36 years old, almost a decade ago now. And I remember thinking like, so I had shifted from being a youth pastor to an associate and then an executive pastor helping lead a church staff and, and all of it was good. But I, I literally thought, am I going to do this for the next 30 years of my life? Like, because for me, I didn't want to be a lead pastor. I never felt called to that as, as a professionally. So I felt like I've reached the top of this mountain and is there anything else? And, And is this where it is God? And I kept really seeking the Lord in that. Um, and simultaneously, around that time of, you know, my life, God started to put like the business community on my heart. And I started to feel drawn there to really learn about business more and connect with business leaders more. And I didn't understand it at all because I never intended to go into business, never thought I'd be a business person. Um, And yet God was shifting me and taking basically all my experiences in the church to how do I go? The way I said it is shift from being an executive pastor to a pastor to executives. Hmm. You know, I, I can imagine that in the coaching that you do and the work that you do, that you often come across people who are looking for that kind of catalytic moment. If you were talking to, um, let's say, maybe an executive, somebody who owns their own business or is a solopreneur, or entrepreneur, and they're sitting in front of you and they're like, Chris, I need that moment in my life. What are some of the mm-hmm. steps that they can take to have that encounter where God gives them that little bolt of clarity? Obviously, knowing we can't manipulate God's will, but right. what, what are some best practices? Yeah, absolutely. And actually I cover that a little bit in my first book, which is called the way to greatness, because it's about the faith journey part of our lives. And, and really it, to me, it comes down to that intentional time seeking the Lord. So, you know, for me, I've been, um, I've got a box actually underneath my desk here full of, uh, j- prayer journals. I've been writing for 25 plus years, probably, um, and then, you know, making that a daily habit to read scripture, to pray and to seek God. And then I, uh, a few years ago, 
I came across the idea of having like a listening journal. And so every day after I'm, after I'm done kind of praying through things that are on my mind, I then type up on my, on my laptop, actually, you know, I just have a question like, God, you know, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And whatever I feel like the Lord's saying to me, I just type that up and, and I, it kind of just becomes the journey of each year. And I think I'm on my, definitely my third year, maybe my fourth year of doing that um, every day, just, and it's just, that's, it's the seeking God in the quiet place, being still it's, you know, that I think so many of us struggle to, to do just because of the pace of life or commitments and all that. But I've had to really become more and more intentional to carve out time to, to get that, you know, peace to get that connection with God and make it a daily priority. And it's changed my life. It's amazing to think that four years every day, like that, that feels like a really long time. That's basically all a high school experience. I wonder if you could talk yeah. to us a little bit about the power of consistency in your life. Well, that's a real, I'm glad you say that. Cause that's actually one of the things I help my clients and, and my followers the most with is just, I think consistency is one of the most important aspects of leadership and life in general, because people need to know what they can expect from us. And there's, there's a lot of people that we just don't think about enough. So we don't, we're not as intentional with it, but for me, you know, it's, it's, there's a fine line between it becoming so routine and mundane and really having to fight that. I, I heard uh, Pastor Mark Batterson one time, he said, you know, when the routine becomes routine, you need to change the routine. <laughs> hmm. And, and, and so for me, I've had, you know, the listening journal thing, you'd be in a more of a newer thing, or even though, yes, it's been almost four years, it's still fairly fresh for me in my journey, sure. you know, considering my lifespan. And so that's been, that's been really good. There's a good friend of mine who I send, I send every week, I copy and paste whatever I've typed up, send it to him in an email every week on a, on Saturday. And he reads it and kind of replies with like things that jump out at him of what God has been saying to me that week. If it, if it's noticeable. So I think having somebody come alongside as well to be there for you is really important. Um, but because I've been doing it week after week, you know, day after day for all these years and all these prayer journals, you know, it's, it's basically writing, you know, God writing his story and, you know, uh, literally on paper and, and, you know, on a computer screen of what he's been up to and then being able to look back on that. So it's, it, you know, it's that whole thing of like, when you're looking at it from a day to day basis, you don't necessarily notice big things, but when you review things as maybe what's happening in the last week, month, year, and you start to look at that journey, you can really start to see the, the, you know, all the things that God has been doing in and through you. I often think the, the, the spiritual discipline of remembrance is something that is forgotten by a lot of leaders. And I, I think that you bring up a great point. If we can circle back and then like, you know, pay attention to it. I, I also love the way that you talked mm-hmm. about who you send the e- or that you send an email to someone every week mm-hmm. and, it's a great transition into something that I wanted to talk about in your latest book, the the Magnetic Leader: Eighteen Essential mm-hmm. Actions of Leaders uh, for People Who People Love to Follow. And uh, you dedicate the book to Mark Williams. Mark is your mm-hmm. editor, and and I, I'm going to read this uh, just for our, our podcast family so that you get a sense of the depth of this relationship because I've. I, I often look at dedication pages. I've never seen one dedicated to the editor. It's super fascinating mm-hmm. to me. It says this. 
Thank you for the patient persistence with me as my writing coach and editor. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and experience with me when I've needed it most. Most of all, thank you for the brotherhood and deep friendship that you've offered me. You are a real-life example of the magnetic leader. I appreciate you more than words can express. Can you drill down on the relationship that you and Mark had and kind of have and the importance of how it, it brought this book to fruition? Absolutely. So Mark and I joined the John Maxwell team program uh, in 2015 at the same time. Didn't know each other. He's 20 years older than me. Um, I'm in the Dayton, Ohio area. He, he was in the Pittsburgh area. Now he's up in Cleveland. And he just felt prompted by the Lord to reach out to me uh, through the mm. Facebook group that we uh, had with the Maxwell team. But for something, something prompted him, the Spirit prompted him you know, to contact me. And he reached out and, and uh, he, he said, I know this may sound strange, but I feel like the Lord wants us to connect and that we're going to be fast friends for a long time. And, uh, and so we connected, you know, we had, we started just kind of having like weekly phone calls, just kind of learn about each other and our experiences and our background. And Mark had gone through a lot of things in, in, in decades prior that I was actually navigating at the time in my own leadership journey. And so I could quickly see that God was, placing this man in my life to help me navigate my current reality based on his past, you know, experiences. Mm. And, you know, he helped me realize that I, that I had a message inside of me, you know, he helped me realize that people needed to learn the things that I had learned. He realized that God had been gracious to me the way he says that God's been gracious to me to teach me things at a very young age compared to super you know, long, you know, longevity of a lifetime. Um, because now eight years ago, so I'm 45, almost 46. So I was 37, 38 when we met. And so he's been walking this journey with me back, you know, all these years now. And he's seen me exit my thirties and enter my forties and now my mid forties and, you know, where God's been leading me through, through this season. And, you know, he's been the one who wrestled with me to, the, you know, the whole thing about, you know, persistence, I fought him tooth and nail about how to design and, and outline my first book and how to, you know, structure all this and how to do it. Like, and he just stayed with me and he stayed the course with me. And, and, you know, the end result was, was powerful, you know, with what I felt like we produced. And, um, and because of his person, like I wrote my first book in 30 days after we had wrestled with this outline for like 10 straight hours, like on phone calls, like just, wordsmithing and banging heads about what mm-hmm. I should say or how I should do it. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, there was this outline of a table of contents and sub sections and all that. And, but when I sat down to write it, I had knocked it out. Um, the second book, we went through the same process, but I was, I was a much better student, I'll say. And I was, I didn't fight him as much cause I saw that, you know, how it worked. Um, and then I ended up writing my second book in 14 days, um, you know, because I, of the same process. So his, his experiences, his patience, persistence, his wisdom that God had brought into my life, you know, not only as a friend and a brother, but as somebody who said, Chris, just trust me, I know this process, how to help you, um, was huge. And it, and it taught me a lot about, about being that consistent leader, being that person that's, that's going to stick through with people, even when they're stubbornly kind of digging in their heels the way I had been, you know, through the process. Do you think that that it takes a certain kind of leader to have a coach like um, like Mark in your life? Like, I, obviously, 
you had to shift some things in order to let Mark speak into that creative process. What do you notice about leaders who are willing to be open to correction? Well, I think there's, I think it's humility is the foundation. I think you have to be a humble person to be able to accept the coaching and to accept the correction. Um, I think it's also a growth mindset that I, I know that I don't have all the answers um, you know, I remember even when I was in my twenties, I said, I can't wait to be when I'm to, to be the old guy, the old wise guy when I'm, when I'm 80, like I felt, I literally thought that, yeah. you know, back just coming out of college. Um, but what I've realized over time too, is part of that is the wisdom comes with the humility and, and understanding that you don't know everything. Right. And the older I get, the, the, the more I know I need to learn, you know, that I think that it's, you know, yeah. Have I had great experiences? Have I been able to do some amazing things that God's blessed me with. Absolutely. But I feel like I'm at the beginning of the journey still, you know, every day. And I think a lot of it just comes down to leaders who are saying, you know what, I, I may have accomplished some things. I may have some, you know, uh, accolades behind, you know, behind my name or on my resume, but I really, I really need to just keep growing and, and be that humble leader. That's, that's hungry to grow. That's willing to grow, willing to have other people speak into my life on different topics because some things you become really good at and, and maybe you don't need the coach for that area anymore, uh, at least for this season, but there's something else that rises up that you're saying, you know what? I really need some, I, I can't just go learn this on my own or do this on my own. I need somebody to really come alongside me and help me. In, in the book, magnetic leader, I, I'm super fascinated by the title of it and kind of the creative process and getting it. So uh, let's start. I have a couple of questions about the book itself and the creative process, but maybe the best place to start is by defining what exactly is a magnetic leader? How is it different than a powerful leader or an effective leader? And, you know, why do I want to be one? Yeah. Well, so the seed of the idea came because of John Maxwell's principle of uh, the law of magnetism that who you are is who you attract and his 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Um, that, so that has always stuck with me about your character is attractive or repelling to the people that you want on your team or in your organization. So that's really where I think for many, many years, I, I grasped that concept and I really, I really uh, owned that I'll say and how I operated, how I led my teams for this book, it really came to me was I kept hearing, I still continue to hear leaders talk about retention in their organizations to their team, you know, whether it's an employee, whether it's a customer, whether it's a client, like how do we, how do we attract them, right? How do we get them to connect with us? But then also how do we keep them? How do we retain them to our team, to our organization? And as I really thought through that, prayed through that, you know, it really came down to, character-based actions that we take that make people want to actually join our team, stay with our team, become our customer, become our client, whatever it may be. Um, it really starts with you as a leader. You know, are you facilitating, are you become, are you the person they want to be around? Are you, are you building the culture they want to be a part of? Because culture is such a huge hot topic, I'll say in, in the business world, you know, today, HR directors and managers and executives are talking a lot about building culture and what, you know, that, and it's so important. Um, and I think a lot of people in the, they overlook that piece if they're in the, just the busyness of the day-to-day -day grind of things. And so this whole idea of magnetic leadership is about, are you 
becoming the person and being the person people want to follow? And then are you helping other people become those kind of people too and building that culture that is just irresistible? Hey guys, if we haven't met yet, my name is Caleb Stanson and I have been editing the Reclamation podcast for the last few years. Aside from being a podcast editor, I am also a songwriter and Christian artist. And after almost three years of work, I am excited to tell you that my second full-length album just came out last Friday, September 29th. And I want to give you a small preview right now. If you liked what you heard and you love Christian music, I hope you'll check out my album titled The Good Life on all streaming services. And if you're into CDs, you can order one on my website, which is calebstantonmusic.com slash store. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Chris. I love the idea of keeping people around and how that kind of like draws people closer. How, how did you come up with 18? That seems kind of arbitrary. Talk us through the process of <laughs> writing this. Is this just like, well, I got to... I got to 18. I I don't have any more in me. Forget about it. I'm walking away. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's, it's not arbitrary. I I think God did give, once again, God's grace was on. I literally, I think in acronyms, Tony, and, and, and I, and I thought magnetic leadership and I was like, well, what would be an M and what would be an A and so forth and so on. And as I worked through that process, I remember sitting in my office one day and literally like within just like five or 10 minutes, God just gave me these, actionable characteristics that made up this acronym. But I'm like, these may not be the only 18 things that we can do, but if you do these 18 things, you're going to be the kind of person people love to be around. Like you're going to be the kind of person people want to work with and and do business with and be on your team. And, um, and, and it can apply to, you know, your, your personal and professional side of your life. Um, And so once again, it was, I tell people I wrote these books, but really I feel like God downloaded these books to me to write. And he gave me these principles, these practices, these actions. And I'm a very action oriented guy. I tell people I'm a very simple guy. You know, I I learn in simple ways. I want to communicate in simple ways. And so each of these chapters, each of these essential actions I talk about, there's really just a three-step process of growing in each of those areas. And when you do those, when you take action in these things, you start to make a big difference in your in your team in your life, but also in your team's life, the culture, you know, your family, community, wherever you may be. So, um, I just feel like they're God given. You know, my first book I, are about five continual choices, and I have you know God gave me a framework for teaching you know to help people implement those choices and consistently in their life. This is about leadership and the magnetic leader, where do these things and make them a priority and you're going to see great results in your life at the end. One of the things that I think you do well is you kind of weave in and out of your overt Christianity with the practical need of being a leader. There are a lot of leaders who are listening right now who are Christians that work in non-Christian friendly environments. Mm -hmm. What kind of tips suggestions, tricks, anything, what do you got for us when it comes to like, man, I want to be a Christian in my workplace without getting in trouble for being a Christian in my workplace. Yeah, that it it is tricky. And even when I started my business, I, I didn't know how to shift from being a pastor and it being so overt and, and expected right in the, in my everyday living and to now the marketplace where people may or may not be believers may or may not want to, talk about faith issues and 
I really, it took a while. It took, it's, it's, it's still a journey for sure, but I feel much more confident now. But one thing I think is, I think just being upfront and authentic with people is so huge. Um, you know, I, I used to not say my background was a pastor because I didn't think it was relevant. Not that I was ashamed of it, but I just didn't think it was relevant to the business community. But what I found was, as I shared my bio, so to speak, with prospects and, you know, to become clients, I would say, you know, you know, for 20 plus years, I was a full-time pastor. And then I felt, you know, led to sort of the business community. And all of a sudden, people started gravitating towards me differently because I even said I had been a pastor. Like, I, there were... In a, in a strange way, it felt like there was like quicker trust built. And I thought that's interesting because I know people have all sorts of various, you know, thoughts and ideas about religion and faith and everything. And, um, but I think a lot of people, they, they don't understand they are, they struggle with in the workplace of blending their, their faith and, and their business practices together because it's been so siloed. Like you can talk about your faith stuff at home and in your personal life, but don't bring that to the office has kind of been the mentality. But you know, what I talk to people about is we're one person. So if you're, if you're a a believer, if you're a Christian, you can't just take off your Christian hat when you walk in the door and quit, you know, operating like you do in the rest of your life, because that's who God has been shaping you to be. It's your, it's your character. It's, it's your personality. Now it's Christ living in you. Um, So I think a lot of it is, is just, you know, just realizing that people need God. First of all, people need, positive, you know, faith filled uh, leaders to guide them. I also think, you know, I, I do feel fortunate that I have engaged with John Maxwell because of his background. He, he went on that journey before, before myself and many others of, you know, being a pastor shifted to being this author and leader sp- speaker out in the world, uh, into the business world. And I've just heard him talk many times about, you know, people asking like, where does all this leadership stuff come from and he's like you don't want to know and he's and, and they keep pressing and pressing he's like this is biblical you know this stuff is all biblical like you know you yeah, you look right. in the old testament you look at the new testament and you see god you know raising up leaders like this with these principles these practices and it and it's healthy and so so i think people that have gone before me that gave me confidence like okay there, there's a way to there's a way to do this but for me it's also I, I'm not trying to force it on anybody, right? I'm trying to just be who I am. And if somebody's resistant, I'm not trying to force my, my faith on them. But if somebody's open, um, I'm not going to shy away from it either. And I'll tell you this quick story that, that was powerful to me that really helped affirm why I needed to be more bold about it was I had a client, one of my earliest corporate clients, there was this dis, there was disruption and turmoil in the team. And that's why I was brought in because there was this um, – there was a, there was a, ultimately some retirements were coming. They were trying to get their team ready for that and, and to have a healthy future. But one of the employees, one of the team members and the executive staff was, she, she told me in my first session, she goes, cause I have, I have migraines all the time. And I had, and I'd started with them with a group meeting. And she said, I wanted to throw up that day because she was at odds with her fellow executives. And she's like, I've got migraines all the time. And I was like, okay. So that's what I heard on day one with her in my one-on-one meeting. So for the next, so I was meeting with them every two weeks. So for two weeks, I was just praying for her and, you know, just that this, all this tension, all the things that were going on would be resolved and that, you know, she would start feeling better. I got back two weeks later and the first thing she said, she goes, Chris, I don't have headaches anymore. What? Yeah. That's amazing. And I said, well, and this is where, this was the test, right? Like 
I knew I knew I'd been praying for two weeks solid for her specifically, but I'm like, I'm literally in my mind, right? You, when you wrestle with God, sometimes you're like, do I say something? Do I not? And, and I felt like God was saying, you need to tell her you've been praying for her for these last two weeks. And I said, well, I'm just going to tell you that I, that I've literally, I've been praying for you intentionally for two weeks about these headaches. And she just broke down crying. Hmm. And it ultimately this was the right. So I think I started with them in like February of that year by May, she had actually resigned and moved on to another opportunity. Um, because she knew that she was, it was a bad fit for her, but she never had those headaches again, still, even though she knew that she needed to move on. Um, but it was just the power of, of seeing that, you know, God really inter intervening in her life through intercession, praying for her in that gap between meeting one and meeting two, and then saying to her, the reason you don't have headaches is because God's, God's relieved you of those. God's healed you of those. Uh, because I've been praying for that and it's not me. It's not me. It's God. You've been working with leaders for a number of years now. Um, you know, I, I think you started kind of in this world of coaching and consulting and, uh, around the same time I got to Centerville. So 2013, 2014, right. Is that, yeah. I mean, I started my business officially in 2015, but yeah, you know, I've been obviously as a pastor and, and as a youth pastor, I've been coaching leaders for a long time in various ways, but that was when I officially started my business was in 2015. So I, I, you know, I was curious to get your thoughts on kind of how, how would you describe we, you and I live in a similar community, um, mm -hmm. suburban middle to upper income, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of white collar executives here. How would you describe the landscape of the business world, either, you know, both being post COVID, but also just in this kind of like, man, we, sometimes we have an office, sometimes we don't, da, da, da. What, when you think about what leaders are, are dealing with right now, what do you think of? I think that every day is a new challenge still. Um, I think that there's so much ripple effects or disruption that's come through the last three years that we've navigated. And, and it's, you know, it's the whole thing of people are talking about the new normal, you know, during COVID and all those things, right? Like there were some buzzwords that pivoting and new normal and all the things, right. And, and I think the new normal is a bunch of pivoting and new normals that continue to be wave after wave after wave. And, and I think now leaders, one of the biggest things leaders are facing is it's a, you know, really employees um, are driving so much like there's they've taken control, right? Like people are saying, you know what, if you don't bend to my will of how I want to work and operate, then I'm just going to go find a place that will. So how do you navigate when you've got good people that you want on your team, but now you want them to come back to the office and they're saying, nope, I'm not going to do that. So I'm mm -hmm. out. Or if, or, or if you force me to, I'm going to leave. So now employees are having leverage in a way that, either they didn't have before or didn't think they had before that now has opened up because of the remote work hybrid or, you know, or hundred percent remote work environment. And I think that's a challenge for leaders because I think, you know, we know that there, there's a balance, delicate balance of being in the same room together or the same space together to be connected and build that culture. 
And I think remote work is an awesome thing. I think it's amazing that we can do this and have this interview, right? And do and not have to be in the same room together yeah. and be able to connect online. But there's some challenges with that too, right? You don't you don't have the water cooler conversations or the the break, you know, the walking around the office or the the just the the passing by kind of engagement. You know, I mean, for years, what was the the management principle of just leadership by walking around or managing by walking around? I, as yeah, a pastor, I love that. Like I would go. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I would just love to just get up and go see people in the building and go talk to them and see how they're doing and check on them. And that's not as easy to do when you're remote, right? It's, or it's different at least. And I think a lot of leaders are, they're stress. It's a constant tension or a constant stress that they feel of how do I keep my people happy and engaged? And how do I lead people who may not be in the same space as I am or, you know, on and on. And, and it's just such a new thing that I, I think a lot of leaders are tired. I think mm-hmm. a lot of leaders are burnt are burned out. Um, you know, I think they were wait. I think a lot of people were waiting. Like we're going to get through this, and then we'll get back to normal, and we'll and it'll get settled in again. And all of a sudden, three years later, they're still feeling similar things. And and what's scary, honestly, Tony, is that a lot of people are still feeling those things, but it's become like this long term. Um, it's not acute. It's not an acute situation anymore, right? It's more of a long-term issue. And so it's like people, battle you know, leaders are feeling, it is, it's the, it, it, and it feels like when, it, when is it going to stop? When is it going to change? And there is no end in sight at this point. Um, it, it looks like this is the new normal. And so f- leaders are, you know, there are people that are just like fried. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Le- and then, and, and I think that they don't know where to turn. Um, you know, there's a lot of leaders who are who are trying to put up a bold front or a proud front that they've got this under control or whatever. But you know, behind the scenes, they're feeling like it's a house of cards kind of thing that could fall apart at any moment. So I, that's that. And, I, and once again, that's not everybody's story. But I but I hear enough, and I talk to a lot of business leaders uh, and, and just about their teams or the struggles of finding good people. You know. Uh, how to how to maintain those good relationships, keep them on their team. I mean, there's just so many plates they're spinning that are different today than three plus years ago. That once again, they had their own pressures and own challenges back then. But this is this is like off the map kind of stuff that you that people are trying to figure out as they as they go every day. That's really good. I th- I think that's um, all the more reason why. People need to pick up a copy of your book and look at some of these essential actions. Now, you've, you've listed 18 of them. I'm not, I'm not going to read them for the podcast audience. I'll let you guys pick up a copy of the book and do that. But I'm, I'm always curious, which action um, out of the 18 is hardest for you? Mm, hardest. Interesting. Um, that was not the question I thought you were going to ask me. I do have a favorite um, that some people ask me. Um, the hardest one for me... I think um, I have a little poster over here. That's why I'm kind of looking at my my list um, as you're asking me. Um, I think the hardest one, number eight, is about expressing creativity. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because I've never considered myself to be a creative person. Um, I have, I've accepted the fact that I am creative in a different way than I kind of had it framed in my mind because I used to think of it more like art. I, w- I was terrible in art class. I couldn't paint. I couldn't draw. I couldn't sculpt any of that, right? Like, and then, but, but, 
when I was writing my two books and, and really working through this, I realized this is an art, you know, writing is a form of art in itself and, um, coaching is an art form in itself. It's different than the, the stereotypical, you know, art that we think of maybe initially, but at the same time for me, I am, I think maybe it, maybe for me, it's just accepting that I'm creative and, and believing it a lot of times, um, to be a creative problem solver, to be creative and, and coming up with solutions or ideas to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't say I don't do them. It's just, it's one of those that I feel like I have to work harder at than in, in expressing it, right? Like to really own that and say, I'm, I am a creative person. I'm a, I can be a creative leader that can come up with creative solutions to issues that I'm dealing with. That's so good. I, I think sometimes leaders, especially leaders who tend to be organizationally gifted, don't see themselves as creative because we're not wearing berets and being aloof, you know, snapping right. at poetry. <laughs> like, but creativity is so much bigger than that. That's a that's a fantastic point. It is. Uh, okay, one more question to ask you, but before I do it, I know that the podcast family is going to want to find you all over the interwebs and maybe even ask you to come coach them. What's the best way to learn all things, Chris? Yeah. So my website is McClurecoaching.com. And on there, I have my links to my books and my courses and my coaching programs I have. Um, that's kind of the hub, you know, for where I am. I'm also on social media. I'm mostly engaging on, on LinkedIn a lot these days, mostly just because of the audience I'm trying to really connect with as, as far as leaders, you know, in different organizations. Um, but, uh, but I'm on Facebook and I'm also on Instagram as well with McClure Coaching. Um, but LinkedIn's LinkedIn from a social media standpoint is where I'm most engaged and really, really have enjoyed connecting with a lot of leaders out there. But those would be my two key places, LinkedIn and my, my website, McClurecoaching.com. Okay. Last question I love to ask people. It's an advice question. I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. Okay. And I want to take you back to um, the day that you decided you were going to leave the church to start your own business. You had just you and your wife know about it at this point. It's, it's pretty much a secret. Um, you're mulling over what all of that means. If you could go back and sit knee to knee with that younger version of yourself, hold his hands, look him in the eyes and give him one piece of advice about the world that is to come. What are you telling him? Trust that God is going to guide and provide in ways you can't even expect. And because of that, be bold. Um, you know, just keep trusting, keep stepping, keep moving forward in confidence, not, not in your own, not in your own self and your own strength, but in God, because he's going to guide and provide for you every step of the way, give you what you need when you need it. And let go of control of, mm-hmm. of having to know how it's all going to look. I think that's probably super wise. Uh, Chris, I, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that we had to connect today for your heart and your friendship. And I can, can't wait to see what God does next. Uh, is there a third book in the works? I always love to ask. <laughs> there is. So my next book will be uh, Magnetic Teams. Hmm. And I'm kind of working through that process of developing that right now because um, I want to start with the leader and the actions of the leader, but I also want to look at the team culture and that will be where I focus my next book on. 
Great. I can't wait to pick up my copy. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for your generosity of time today. Oh, thanks so much, Tony, for having me. It's been fun. So many good nuggets in this episode with Chris, guys. I'm so thankful that you made it all the way to the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this community. I love the way Chris talked about trusting God and being bold, about being upfront and authentic. So many good nuggets in this one. I know you're going to want to connect with Chris. Do me a favor. Let him know that you heard him here on the podcast. And if there's anything that I can do to help you, please don't hesitate to say the word. I appreciate you guys so much. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.